It was powerful. And God sort of just laid this series on my heart to just give opportunity for people who have served so faithfully for so long, who are really uh, qualified to bring a message, to bring a message here. And um, so that's what we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of the series called Most Likely To. It's sort of got that yearbook theme, you know, the superlatives of the seniors that uh, are identified in every yearbook. And so we're looking at some of the characters in the Bible through this. And today we have Mary Schnur that's going to bring a message. Um, it's going to be exciting. But I want to say something really quick. Um, and I want to just sort of establish a baseline or a cultural norm for us here at Faith Chapel. And that is this. You know, we're not here just to do church on Sunday. I want to, I want to distinguish that because... You know, in the world, throughout the world, on Sunday mornings, church is the norm. In America, on Sunday morning, church is the norm. And it's great to be in church. It's great to celebrate with the family. But we are here to encounter God, right? We're here to have an encounter with God. We're here to experience transformation. Uh, you know, we need it. I need it. You need it. And the people around us need it. We need to encounter the living God, Right? We need to be set free from stuff. We need to be brought higher to new levels and new places in God. That's why we're here. And so I want to just encourage you to have, begin to adopt that mindset. Like, I am here to meet with God. And in, in so doing, I may be used by God to help someone else in their encounter. You know, God still speaks today. He gives prophetic words, words of knowledge. He heals through people, right? And, and so we are here to meet with God. And we don't know what it's going to look like. We just need to come with that mindset like, God, you're going to do something great today. I'm expecting it. I'm believing it. And I'm yours. Use me today. All right? We need to do away with the old school mindset like, oh, it's just Sunday. I just do that. That's part of my weekly routine. Uh, we're here to meet with God and encounter God and be transformed by God. Amen? We all need transformation. We all need uh, to encounter more of God so that we could become more like him. Right? Uh, and so... With that said, I want to invite Mary up. She's going to bring a message today. It's going to be powerful. Would you welcome her to the stage today? Good morning. I'm really torn to tell you a joke or not. <laughs> Do it. All right. So first, I just want to thank Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly for this amazing opportunity to just be here and to be able to deliver a message because um, I just came to Faith Chapel just to serve. And I've been blown away by how much you've honored me in return. And I had no expectation of that. God brought me here and I just wanted to say yes. And um, thank you very much for taking the leap of faith on me. And we just honor you and respect you. I've never met a uh, pastoral couple that just carries the love of God so well the way that you two do so can we just give an applause for them and just we just love you guys so much you guys are amazing um I am just I really am humbled to be up here and I and before I start I really I want to touch on a couple of things that was going on this week because um I know a few of you received an email about praying for my father I just want to let you know he was discharged yesterday from the hospital <laughs> Um, and it was amazing because they were expecting to keep him for two weeks because his infection was so bad. And uh, I just want to thank all of you for his prayers. And God heals. And, um, you know, 
on Sunday, last Sunday, I only bring this up and I'll share why, but last Sunday I had a dear friend up north. He was 35 years old, dropped out of a heart attack. And two, that, that day, night before I was supposed to go up to his funeral up north was when my father got admitted to the hospital. And I just, I, I just sat with God and I was like, God, the enemy is so quick to try to steal your children. He's so quick to try to steal the children of God. Death is just, it's a vile thing. And I just want to just pray a quick declaration over all of you because you have purpose and promise for your life. And the enemy is afraid of your purpose and your promise. And the devil is going to try to come up and steal, kill, and destroy every moment that he can. So, God, I declare over every child of you in this place, Lord, they are yours. They do not belong to the enemy. They do not belong to the enemy. Their life does not belong to the enemy. Their health does not belong to the enemy. I command every disease and sickness to fall at the feet of Jesus right now. And I declare health and wholeness over every single person here and over every single child of God in the city of Syracuse, Lord, that these hospitals will be known as a place where people heal quickly and rapidly. Because you reign in Syracuse, New York, God. You rule in Syracuse, New York, God. And I just declare health and wholeness over every person here. And the schemes of the enemy will not stand because we have purpose for your kingdom and your kingdom alone, God. I declare every person here to rise up in strength and health right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless you, God. We honor you and we worship you. I just felt very strongly to do that. And, and, and it was funny because Pastor Kelly was doing the same thing during communion. And, and there's just, guys, we, we cannot become okay with sickness anymore. We, we just, I feel like sometimes we get a little complacent with these things. Like we can't, we don't have any control, but we have authority in the kingdom. We have authority in the spirit realm and we need to start taking a stand for the things that God's declared us to do. And that is to cast out all every sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we just bless you. We thank you for that. You know, it's, um, I, was, I was doing the uh, study for my character today, and, and it was funny because I was doing it a few weeks ago, and, and God just shared that he just wanted me to carry it over into this Sunday. And um, what I did is I I'm, I'm, want to talk to you guys about Jonah. And, see, Jonah, Jonah is a prophet from the Old Testament, and I put him down, you know, if I think about the superlative that he would have, I put down Jonah, the one most likely to answer the call. See, but if you hear the story of Jonah, you might disagree with me. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. But I want to tell you why I feel like Jonah would be the most likely to answer the call. You guys okay with that? Because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> So, God, we just thank you. See, Jonah, I'm just going to give you a quick quick uh, um, tell of the story real quick of, of what his story is in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And then I'm going to touch on a few things. See, Jonah was a, was a, he was called to be a prophet, right? That was the call in his life. The, the very beginning of the book of Jonah says, God told Jonah, go to the town of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, and tell them, that my wrath is going to come upon them, they will be destroyed because they become a very evil city. And Jonah turns and runs away. The complete opposite direction. Like, if you could get any further away from Nineveh, like east meets west, there you go, he goes to Tarshish, right? 
He tries to anyway. And he tries to go there through a city called um, Japa, which I thought was a funny name, but in Hebrew it's actually Yaffa. But um, what I just want to share with you quick before I continue with the story, I personally love names. There's so much meaning and power behind a name. And so right away, I, I don't get very far past those first few verses, and I'm like, hey, God, what's going on with these cities? And I'm just, I just look into them, and I'm, and I'm just curious, see, because Nineveh, actually, let me tell you about Tarshish first. Tarshish and Japheth, they both don't actually have a real meaning in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language. They, they are from other languages. There's no real meaning to them. But what they tell you when you study this is that the Hebrews would most likely relate these words to a verb that is most common in their language. And when you look up Tarshish and you study this, it relates it to the word rasha, which is a verb, which is to beat down or to be struck down or beaten. And see, in Japheth is beautiful. But Nineveh, where God was telling Jonah to go, is also a word that has no meaning in the Hebrew language. They said it would have been a combination of, of three different verbs. The first one being nun, the next one being nwe, and then the next one being nawa. See, in nun is to increase. Nwe is embency. And nawa is beautiful. And see, what, what God spoke to me, right away, I was like, I'm done. In the very first, very first chapter of Jonah, he's like, Mary... Sometimes people run from the things I've called them to. And the things they run to may look like it's a beautiful path to get there. But it turns into destruction. And they get beaten up by the things of the world that I have not called them to. But if you go where I've called you to, not only, only do I increase you, but I make you beautiful. And I bring you into a place of royalty. See, so when you go and you turn from the calling of God on your life or the things he's called you to do, even if the path looks pretty, even if you think, oh, I'm not going to go where God called me to because I can't see what he has for me, but I see over here and this looks really good. It turns into destruction for you. But God, he calls you to a place that is going to increase you and not just bring you through a beautiful place, but it beautifies you. And he brings you to a place of royalty. Isn't that good? It was so good. I just had to share that with you. But let's just get back to Jonah. Because Jonah went through a path that brought him to destruction, right? So Jonah, he goes and he goes through Jephad. And he, he gets on a ship to try to get to Tarshish. And this huge um, storm just comes crashing through. It comes crashing through. All the men on the ship are fear, fearful for their lives. Uh, they throw lots, cast lots to decide who, who, because of who this storm is being caused. And it comes down to Jonah. Jonah admits that he is running from God. They're like, why would you do that? And they throw him over, overboard. He says, throw me overboard. They repent before doing that. They'll say, God, please don't punish us for killing this man. But we're doing this for you. And God had prepared a large fish, right, to swallow up Jonah. And he's there for three days, three days and three nights. Um, and, and throughout the scripture, there's some references that indicate that Jonah very well may have died in the belly of the fish. I personally am not here to argue it with you because whether God kept him alive for three days or whether God brought life back to him, I'm amazed either way. Like, if he kept him alive in a fish for three days, first of all, ew, because that is not pretty. But if he, 
if he died and then got spit out on a, on a lake or on, on the shore and God brought life back into him. That's amazing too. Like either way, I'm amazed and in awe of my God. So Jonah, he gets, he gets onto the shore. God gives him life because as Jonah was crying out from the belly of the fish and crying out from the depths of the, of the earth, he, he says, God, please give me a second chance. And then God speaks to Jonah again when he gets spit out. And he says, go to Nineveh. So Jonah goes. And it takes him three days. The city is so large. It takes him three days to walk through the city and declare that in 40 days, God is going to destroy your city. Every man, woman, child, animal is going to be destroyed because you are an evil people. At the end of those three days, the people all repent. They put on sackcloth. The king hears. He puts on a sackcloth. He sits on a pile of ashes. He commands every woman, child, man. They say no animals will eat. Everybody is to wear more clothes of mourning, even the animals. And they repent. And God is so moved by these people. He's so moved that he forgives them. And he, and he lifts his hand of, from the city and says, I will no longer destroy you because you have turned your hearts towards me. Jonah, <laughs> who just got a second chance at life, gets angry with God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he gets angry. And I just, I want to read to you exactly what he says, because I don't want to mess it up, because it, it amused me. Um, but Jonah 4, 1 through 4, let me just get there, give you a chance to get there if you want to. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall, for, uh, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah, this is the first time we hear why Jonah turned away, right? This is the first time that we hear why Jonah ran to Tarshish. We, did, we had no idea why before. But he says, I ran from what you called me to do because I knew that you were a good God. Does that sound weird to you? Like in my mind, I'm like, I can't comprehend that. But Jonah, see what happens here is Jonah, Jonah has a little bit of pride building up inside of him. See, because he is a prophet, right? And the prophet, the prophet of God declares a word and it comes to pass. But when God lifts his hand from that word and he, and he decides to extend mercy instead, it makes Jonah look bad. So Jonah gets angry because he's like, I should have just died. Just kill me now. People aren't going to believe what I have to say anymore. Who am I? But I, I just look at it and I'm like, you knew he was a good and merciful God. And you're angry at him for that, right? Pride can be a very dangerous thing. It can be a very dangerous thing. It can hold you back from ministering to others. It can hold you back from the goodness that God has for them because you don't think that they've earned it. Right? Guys, I've been there. This is, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me too. This is not, this is just, we're just being real. We're human beings. We have emotions. We're fallible. And there are times where we withhold the goodness of God. Because we become the judge and juror. 
See, but God tells us that we are not the judge and juror. See, I will tell you in James 4.12. James 4.12, he says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? See, Jonah wasn't called to to go to Nineveh to judge them. He was called to go to deliver a word. See, sometimes we're called to go do something for God, and instead of doing what he asked us to do, we put our own kind of mix in there, right? And we put our own twist on it, and we, and we start creating our own, our own uh, schedule. And God's saying, I didn't ask you to come to do this. I asked you to do this. But see, when you honor what God does, he's able to come in and show his mercy and his grace. What if, what if God just destroyed Nineveh? I mean, he has every right to, right? He has every right to destroy anybody he wants to whenever he wants to because he is God. But can he really tell us that he's a just and merciful God if he never even gives anyone the opportunity to repent? I mean, he can, but would you really trust that? Would you trust it? And if you don't trust that, would you trust everything else that he tells you about himself or that he declares to be true? See, so God, God had a call for, jo- for Jonah. And I really believe that God, and this is why I say Jonah was most likely to answer the call, because I really believe that God thought he would, because that was the calling on his life. See, and we all have one. We're all called to a certain purpose, to a certain, you know, there's something that only you can do. There's a part of God that only you carry that nobody else has. That when he calls you to bring that forth to somebody else and you withhold it, you're holding back his ability to show himself to someone else, to show his love and his mercy. So, and to top it off, let's go back to Jonah for a second because the guy just cracks me up. It's just, he really was, I believe there really was a great calling on his life, but it just, it ended with bitterness and I was like, God, please don't ever let me become that. But Jonah 4, 9 through 11, you know, he's just, he decides to perch himself up on a hill, right? And he decides to sit there, even though he already knows that God has lifted his, his anger from this city. He still decides to perch himself up on a hill for 40 days and just wait to see what happens. Like, he's, he's like hoping for this place to be destroyed. And that just, I don't get it. Because I'm like, if you serve a God who's, who extended mercy, I would rather be like, hey, I got to be part of saving 123,000 people. But he was like, I would rather watch you destroy them. So Jonah 4, 9 through 11, he goes, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Because God had, God had put this plant up for Jonah to have shade while he was sitting up on this hill, right? He created his own, his own shelter, but God created this and then also allowed it to be destroyed, And Jonah gets angry about that as well. So he says, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. I would never tell God, who just brought me to life, that I wish I was dead. I just feel like it would be way too easy for it to happen. I'm just like, (laughs) but I also kind of feel like, hey, the boldness in his relationship with him, there's, you know, there's also something there, but... But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, 
though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? See, we, we try to be the one to tell God how he should do something. But God says, what's it to you if I bless them, if I increase their years, if I, if I, if I give them a castle on a hill? Yes, Lord. If I, if I do anything for anyone, what's it to you? Because they don't belong to you. You didn't bring them into this world. You didn't form them in the palm of your hand before they even were in their mother's womb. You didn't declare life over them and breathe your, your breath into them before they even took a breath of this world. What's it to you if I choose to keep them alive? See, because God is a God who, who desires, he desires more than anything to be reunited with his children. More than anything. He does not want to destroy. That's why he's hungry. He's hungry to find someone who's willing to give his gospel, to share his word, to say repent for the kingdom is coming. Because he, he so longs to have as many of us as possible before it's too late by his side. And when we deny that to someone, we are denying that to God as well. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want, I don't want that weight. I don't want that burden. But I also, I can't imagine, I can't imagine someone not sharing it with me. Everybody who's sitting here has had someone who answered the call that got you in the seat. Even if you're not completely sure which direction you want to go, whether you're still running from God or you're running from the call of God on your life, there's still someone who got you in this seat. There's someone who responded to the call that God gave them, that got you in the seat. And I would, would you change it? Would you change that? I, I could never give that up. I can't imagine. You know, I think, I think on the days, that, the, the years that I went without really knowing my father, and it breaks my heart to have had that much time without him. And I think of how many more still don't know their father. And I think of how many more, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if they're, two years old or 80 years old, at no time without knowing who God is, is, is time well spent. There, there is more that we need to do, guys. We can't, we can't just sit and, 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 and sit on our pride and wait and wait for God to say, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance. We need to respond to the call right away. But don't beat yourself up over not doing it either. I don't want you to get to that place either. So you, because even though Jonah didn't respond to the call, all the men in that ship that threw him overboard, they all were so amazed by God that they turned their hearts towards him and started serving him for their lives as well. So God could even take your mess and use it for his purpose. But don't be afraid to respond to the call the first time. Because I'm sure there could have been somebody else to minister to those men without Jonah having to mess it up. <laughs> I, just, I just really believe that God will use any opportunity, absolutely. But there's also a call for every single person to have every single person ministered to. Everybody here has a purpose in their life. Everybody here is declared from the moment that they, were, they had God's breath 
breathed into them that this is one who will serve me, who will go after the things for my kingdom, and then they will, they will fight for the things that are right, and they will fight for those who are still in bondage, and they will break chains, and they will break chains, and they will break chains, and they will break chains. And guys, you get to be the chain breakers, but you have to respond to the call. You have to be the one to say, I'm going to go after this, God. And for everyone, it looks different. It looks different. So you can't look at someone else and say, that's what I want to do. God say, no, that's not what I'm calling you to. And the path that he brings you down might not look that pretty. But I tell you what, the reward at the end is just so beyond the ability to even look at because it's so beautiful that all you can do is fall on your feet. You fall on your knees at his feet and just say, God, thank you for the opportunity. There's just something. I, I can't. I am so moved when I see someone being touched by God. Like, it, it just, it, it moves my heart so to see that moment that they're encountering their Heavenly Father because there's nothing like it. There's literally nothing like it. There's just something so beautiful that comes out of that. And when I see it happening, when we're praying for people and I see it happening, it just, it just moves me. And I just, I'm so honored to be able to be a part of that. And you get to see that too. You get to be a part of that too. You just have to say yes, right? You just have to say yes. So God, God tells Jonah, what's it to you? So then we're kind of caught in this place where we're like, okay, so if it's, it, what's it to us, but what does that mean? Like, what does it look like? How do you answer the call, right? Everybody needs to know the how. Sometimes we just get caught in that place. Well, what does that look like? I always say that to God. I'm like, God, what does that look like in my life? Sometimes he's like, Mary, sometimes you just have to jump. But I'm like, I'm good at jumping, but sometimes I like to know what it looks like too. But we do. Sometimes we just need to know what it looks like. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Because I want to try to equip you as much as possible. That when you walk out of these doors today, that you feel that much more secure, either in your new relationship with God, renewing your relationship with God, and the calling that he has for you. So first of all, you need to know that you are definitely called, right? Does everybody here know that you're definitely called to the works in the ministry? So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, God tells us, and and this is where he tells us exactly what it is, Jesus, he goes, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He didn't say only these guys go. He didn't say only men go. He didn't say only women go. He said go. That is for all of us. We are all called to go and make disciples of all men, all women, all children. I just want to touch on that quick because sometimes we forget that children are mighty in the kingdom. Sometimes we think that age in the natural determines authority in the spiritual, and it does not. Equip your children in the things of God. Teach them that they hear his voice. Teach them that they can pray for healing. Teach them to prophesy. Because the the sooner you raise them up in the spirit, 
that much more powerful they are in their natural age, that much more secure they are in the things of God. And this world will not have a hold on them. Don't wait till they're teenagers, guys. Tell them who they are in Christ now. It's your children, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren, you know, just children in your life. Tell them who they are. Here at Faith Chapel, you know, FC Kids in the back, we truly believe that. And we equip them and we, we empower them and we raise them up to pray for healing. They pray for each other. They pray for, they all bring up prayer requests for their parents, their, their friends, their grandmothers, and they all stand back there and pray. They see healings down that hall for each other. Those are the children in this church. And some of them are seeing healings through their hands more than our adults are. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, meant to, I meant for that to be a dig, but please hear it out of love. That we, we need to take a stand for this. You are a powerful people because God empowers you. He, the, the living God is inside of you. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. It's a living, breathing thing. It's in you. It empowers you. It moves us forward. When we can't move our own feet, he comes in and he's like, come on, left, right, left. It's not always you that has to be the one to move your foot. Sometimes you have to ask the Holy Spirit to do it, but you need to say, please help me. You just have to, you have to take a leap of faith. You've got to go after it. And if you're wondering, because we know we're called, but then we have to figure out, but how do I know that I'm ready for what I'm called to do, Right? But God equips those that he calls. He's not going to ask you to do something that he hasn't already prepared you to do. He's not going to say, go and pray for for sickness, go cast out demons, and then not give you any of the equipment to do it, right? He's not going to say, go and and preach the good work of God and not give you the Holy Spirit to, to empower you to do that, right? So if you look at Hebrews 13, 20 through 21... It says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You can't wait any longer because you already have what he's called you to do. You're just not doing it. So if you're sitting there saying, God, I'm just waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. He's already told you to go. He's already given you the tools to do it. He's already challenged you to say go by giving you the word. But now you just have to step out and trust that his hands are upon your life. And that they're guiding you. We need to be the face of love and not judgment. See, what I feel what happened with Jonah is Jonah didn't have... Uh, Jesus at the time, right? See, Jonah, he, he, I guess all he knew was judgment because he didn't have the story of Jesus Christ sacrificing his life for us and to know that that mercy is the mercy of our Father. So where Jonah only knew to preach judgment, and, and yes, that's what God told him to do, and, and yes, that's what God's telling us. He's saying, hey guys, the end is coming. We need, you, you need to know the end is coming and time is scarce, but he's saying, go, tell them that the end is near, but he says, do it in love. 
See, jo Jonah only gave one message, which is doom and gloom, but we get to bring a message of love because there was a Jesus who died on a cross for you and every single person who was born. A man named Jesus Christ, no different than you and me, a human being who lived a life pure and holy and was given the choice and he chose death to save us. God showed him our faces and he says, yes, I will die for them. I will be beaten and broken and bruised for them. I will become unrecognizable so that my father can recognize them. Who are we to deny that to anybody? He did that for them too. And we need to leave here knowing that there's more than just sitting in a church on a Sunday morning. Pastor Jim was telling you right from the beginning. There's more than just sitting here on a Sunday morning. There's so much more. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Last I knew, he did not call us the butts. We do not just sit in a chair. We are the hands and feet. They are the moving parts of our body. We are supposed to be in action. We're supposed to be in action with him. We're supposed to be going after the things that he called us to go after. We're supposed to go after our city and claim our city for the kingdom. We are a people who are known for the heart of the Father, if we choose to be. Or we can be known for something else. See, Jonah, Jonah answered the call the second time, but he still missed it, I think. But he, he was most likely to answer the call because he was supposed to. And we're all most likely to answer the call. But we can still miss it if we choose to. Or we can say yes. And we can say, God, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me, no matter how much you stretch me, no matter how far you decide to move me, no matter how, how much you ask me to give away, no matter how much you ask me to die to myself, God, my answer is yes. Because it's not a just about us anymore. It's about his kingdom. It's about his purpose. It's about the people out there who don't know who he is. The people who don't know that they are loved unconditionally. The ones who are still broken and beaten down. There's so much that he wants to do. There's so many that he longs to encounter. See, just as much as we love to be in the presence of God, he loves to be in our presence that much more. How many, how many parents are out there? I'm not a parent, but I just, I've seen some amazing parents, and I, just, I see parents who just long to be with their children. They just love to have their children around them. And that just astonishes me. Like, I, I love, I have, I have 15 nieces and nephews, and I absolutely adore them. But there are times that I love to give them back. But I, parents love to have their children around them. They just do. Even if the kid's just sitting there on their phone or playing a game or not really, they just love to have them around them. God loves to have us with him. And Jesus died on a cross to make that possible.
We can choose to be the face of love or we can choose to be the face of judgment. It's not something in you that you don't have any control over. It's something that you can choose. And God empowers that choice if you choose love. So don't get me wrong, I found myself perched on a hill before. And I found myself withholding love sometimes. And I have to say, God, I really need you to help me right now because I want to be able to see them the way that you see them because my eyes are really distorted. Because my pain has become my lens. But God, I need you to remove that lens so that I can love them the way that you love them, so that I can minister to them the way that you want them to be ministered to, so that I can see them, God, in a place of restoration with you because they're your child who's just broken and beaten. Can you go into a prison and look at someone who's on death row for the atrocities they've committed and just see a broken child sitting in that jail cell? I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to look at every person who has the possibility to offend me today and just say, God, all I see is the broken child, and I just want to love that child because I want your lenses, God, not mine. I don't want my lens of offense. I don't want my lens of pain to stop someone from encountering the goodness that you've put inside of me because I'm accountable to share that. I'm accountable to share that. You're accountable to share that. It's in you. And it's your responsibility to pour it out. Be obedient. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28.1. See, God tells us that there is a blessing in obedience. He tells us, he says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments I give you today, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. He'll set you high above all the nations on earth. Just for being obedient. And and the best part is he's not even saying you have to do some great act. You just have to say yes and go do it. God tells me to go give that person the shoes off my feet. And I'm like, okay. All of a sudden, I get to be above all the nations on the earth just for giving away my shoes. Right? (laughs) I mean, come on. How good is that? He just says, say yes and everything I have for you above all the nations on the earth. That promise for every single person here, that promise, every single person here, just your obedience alone. And most importantly, if you look at Proverbs eleven twelve, see this is where Je- Jonah got it wrong because he let his pride overtake him. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Sorry, eleven two, I read the wrong one. I was like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's a good scripture, though. (laughs) When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 11.2. With humility comes wisdom. See, Jonah, all Jonah had to do is say, God, you're good. I know you told me to come in here and tell them all that they're going to be destroyed. And you chose not to do that. 
I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Because again, if I was Jonah, I'd be like, I got to be part of saving a city of 120 plus people, 20,000 people. Like, that's a great story. Like, I would much rather have that background than the one who got upset for God not destroying 120,000 plus people. But his pride got in the way. And he already knew. He already knew God was a good God. Even with Jesus aside, before that, he knew God was a good God. But he still allowed his pride to say, no, you need to destroy this city. See, if you allow your pride to get in the way, you're not going to be able to minister to those that he calls you to. You can't. Because you're, you're expecting God to do what, he, what you want him to do instead of allowing him to move in the way that he feels he should move. And that, that, that is mercy and grace because that's always his choice. He's a just God and he will bring punishment, but he's also a God who desires to extend mercy. It's what he chooses to do. See, in God, if you look at Ezekiel 22.30, God desires to find someone to change his mind. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. And if you go on to 31, it says, So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. I apologize, I don't think I gave them that scripture to put up, but he's desiring for us to change his heart from anger to mercy. That is a good God. That's a good God. That's the God that I'm going to continue to serve. That's the God I'm going to continue to say yes to. That's the God that I want to pour my life into and pour my life out for. And I don't know, for those of you here, there might be some of you who have been running from God for a long time. There might be some of you who've just been running from the call of God in your life for a long time. Or maybe you just don't even know how to answer it. But I'm going to pray for you today. Because I really believe that today is a day that you can choose to answer that call. That today is a day that you can choose to say, I believe that this is the God who is a good, just, and merciful God. And I know that Jesus Christ is the man who died on a cross to save my life. And I know that there are so many others who need to know this story, who need to know this truth before it's too late. And we need the heart of the Father to pour out of us. So if you want to stand, I'm just going to pray for you. And when I'm done praying, there will be people up here at the altar with the altar ministry that continue to pray for you if you want further prayer. But I just want to just pour out a blessing on you. But I really want to challenge you to just answer the call. Just answer the call of God on your life. 
if this is your first time that you're, you're like, I, you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to pray with you today as well. And you can say yes to God in your heart. You can just open your hands up in agreement. But just say, God, I say yes to you today. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that he died on a cross for me. I thank you that he washed all of my sin away so that I could be made pure and whole again. And Lord, that you look on me with such delight. And I say yes to you and I give my heart to you and I say from this moment forward, my life will be steps walking in the direction of you and you only. God bless you. And I pray for every person here who has not yet answered the call. Or maybe you have, but you haven't quite fully moved in it yet. Lord, I ask that you just empower them today, God. Empower them today, God. Holy Spirit, rain down on them today in greater measure. Let the truth of who you are in their lives pour out, God, in such a way that they can't go back. They can't put that phone back down, God, because you have more to say. That you have more to do through them, Father God. Lord, we thank you that there are hundreds of souls that are yet to be saved and yet to be claimed in this city, God. And this is our territory, God. Lord, we take Syracuse for you. And Lord, we do that because we have a call in our lives to do that, God. And Lord, I pray that for every person who steps out of this room, this building today, God, every single person, Lord, that they, they feel more empowered and equipped than they ever have, and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are called. They are called to show your love and your mercy to every single broken person out there, God. Sometimes those broken people are other Christians, guys. Don't withhold a good thing. Don't withhold a good thing any longer. Lord, we just honor you. We worship you. We praise you. Before you guys go, this is John Wicks. He has a word that he wants to share. The Lord would say, you know I've called you. You've felt it in your spirit. You have felt it in your heart. It's me. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to a word, to give a word. I'm calling you to give prophetic words that I'm giving you. How else will they hear me if you don't let me speak through you? I've anointed you. I've given you the gift. I've called you. Don't fear me. Don't fear the circumstances. Yes, it is a risk. But don't be the reluctant missionary. Do not hide in the wine press. Don't resist me. I have chosen you to give my word. I have anointed you specifically to give my word. I have gifted you. Just as I have gifted the leadership to guide you in this prophetic word, in the prophetic words I give you, in the, in the training to be a prophet. Do not resist me. Thank you. It's a good word. See, God will speak to us sometimes through, every, through other people, right? just like that. So I just bless every single one of you here. And I just released you today. But again, if you need further prayer, just come on up. There's going to be an altar ministry team up here to pray for you. If you gave your heart to Jesus today for the first time, 
we, we want to be able to, to help you with that and show you what the next step is. Just come up. We want to pray with you. We love all of you so much, but God loves you more. He loves you so much more, and you get to be that for someone else. So, Lord, we just bless them and we release them right now in the name of Jesus. Have an amazing week, guys. God bless you.